Alright, Genesis chapter 25. <clears throat> now, last week we looked at how God brings two people and we looked at the example of Isaac and Rebecca together. And he made a home. We watched that God can make a relationship work between you and your wife very simple ways, okay? If you have the right foundation. You cannot control the storms. Jesus gave an illustration of a man who built his house upon a rock and another man who built his house upon sand. They both used the same materials. Um, they both had storms, but only one of them remained standing because he had the right foundation. And so everything, all things considered, um, the important thing is how you start and build your relationship. He shows the right way to begin. And we look, now we're moving on to a relationship that Isaac has with his wife. Now this is the Isaac of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you hear in the Bible a lot. God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So here's the Isaac. And Isaac's going to teach us some things. And his wife, Rebecca, is going to teach us. Uh, Isaac was 40 years old. Think about this. Some of, some of you who are down the road a little bit, you just realize Isaac began <clears throat> to have a home at 40. And, uh, and, they, and, and, you know, we bring a lot of baggage into our homes. But think about 40 years old. It's hard to adapt to, you know, a new person in your life and new kids and things like this. Well, God doesn't say you have to start early or He just says start right. Now, they had, they had by no means a perfect home. Isaac and Rebecca, the only thing they had going for them was the right foundation. Okay? John Lennon said, oh, you need is love. And he, he was wrong. Uh, you, you, need, you need the love of God. You need, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Word of God. You need uh, the people of God. You need a lot of support. And uh, a lot of, you need the right foundation. But we're going to watch this morning. This is a hard message to preach. We're going to watch this morning that this home is torn apart. You wonder why God just doesn't show perfect homes and perfect people in the Bible. I'm here to tell you it's because we couldn't relate to them. We wouldn't learn anything from them. So God shows us a family that self-destructs. And by, by watching it and learning about it, it actually helps you so that you can go back to your home and go, I want to make sure that doesn't happen. My home. Because the lessons are invaluable. God records these things for our benefit, so don't miss anything He has for you this morning. Let's bow in prayer and ask God to speak to us. Father, I ask that you would speak through your word. Help me to be a help. Help every person here to hear and to learn about how we are. This is a very old story. But it sure is being played out again and again and again in so many homes and families, especially the losing homes. And it shouldn't be. So, Lord, we have the tools to make sure that we don't repeat the same mistakes in the same way. If only we would heed and fear. Lord, we need you today. I need you. I ask that you would teach us and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, looking at Genesis 25 here, we need to fast forward 20 years from that beautiful, you know, fairy tale wedding and relationship. And in those 20 years, Isaac and Rebecca, they have normal family problems. They had many of them. 
But each problem, and we're going to look at three this morning, each problem did not destroy them. Each problem actually pushed them, drove them to make a decision to do things and handle it God's way or just whatever came natural, their way. So we're going to look at three problems that God shows in their lives that they experience, and they will they will weather those problems, they will weather those situations, but there'll be a fourth one that destroys them. Right? So pay attention this morning because these are this is not just a word, a, a dot on the map. This is chapters of lessons for us to pay attention to this morning. Problem number one, look at verse 19 of chapter 25. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham, remember, begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, watch, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, problem number one, uh, something was wrong. Okay, they've been married 20 years, and no children. And it was, it's a normal thing to have children. They've been waiting actually 19 years, and children are natural to married couples. They are a gift from God. Well, God's going to be waiting for something here. And, and if you notice there in verse 21, Isaac entreated, which means he asked the Lord to intervene. Kind of funny. How long have you been married? Talk to me. 20 years, okay? And then finally Isaac decides, oh, I ought to pray about this thing. Now, are guys that dense? Say amen, ladies. Great. So evidently, God is waiting for Isaac to pray. Isaac, in all of his 20 years of married life, he didn't pray. He didn't think it was necessary to pray. Now, this is the danger of second generation Christianity. You ready? Our parents uh, walked with God. They fought the battles to, to, to stay right with God. They wanted to, 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 to see God in their life, in their home. And the children grow up and they see all the blessings of God. But they don't themselves get into the fights and into the battle. They don't themselves develop a walk with God. And that's a big danger. Because by the time you get to the third generation, like Jacob, you have an absolute... You have Abraham, great man of faith, amen? Isaac, very little. Jacob, he's a hustler. He lives by his wit. He robs people. That's the third generation after a great man of faith. So each generation must develop a walk with God. you understand? They must know that they've got to depend upon prayer. Do not count on your pastor's spiritual life. Do not count on your parents' spiritual life. Don't count on anything. You must count on God yourself. Does that make sense? So, here's Isaac. Isaac discovers that he needs to not just be the provider for his home, not just be the protector of his home. He needs to be the spiritual leader of his home. Wouldn't that save a lot of hope? Wouldn't that make a huge difference? He discovers that God answers prayer. And guess what? Rebecca gets pregnant. Wouldn't that be nice? Men believe in prayer. Men believe that they have a responsibility not just to go out to work, not just to, to pay the bills, not just to make sure everybody's tucked in at night and everybody's well fed, but that dad walks with God. Amen? 
So, problem two. There's a struggle. Look at verse 22. Children struggle together within her. And she said, if it be so, if it is a blessing, if it is a gift from God, why am I thus? Now, she's just cryptically saying, this is no fun. Why, if this is a blessing, am I tormented? Let's keep going. Uh, and she, she went to inquire the Lord. Notice this. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. One people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, the second problem is, there's like World War III inside. She is never able to get any rest. She lays down, and as she lays down, the kids start kicking and acting like they want to go to the other side, so she changes the other side and they start kicking. She's never able to get any rest. Instead of this uh, pregnancy being a blessing, it was a bother, and it worried her. It worried her. This, this wasn't going like she expected. And thankfully, in the midst of all that, she prays. Again, what is the problem supposed to do? Drive you to pray. Drive you to, to go to God and to depend upon Him. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said, you know, when a parent has a child that acts up, you know where they turn to? The doctor. And the doctor turns to a bottle of Ritalin or counseling. Or you know, that's a funny thing. When we have problems, God expects us to go to Him. God expects us to go to Him. So she prays. That's a good thing to do. And, and God gave her a promise. God said, You've got not just one kid in there, you have two nations. Now, she looked at her and she said, that's a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) But these were two nations that would be at war with each other to the end of time. Now, he gives her a promise, he says, but this is not a normal, just two sibling rivalries. This is one pitted against the other, and the elder will not be the strongest one. The younger will win out in the end. And that encouraged her. She took it as a promise. She said, all right, this is a miracle birth, miracle conception. It's going to be a miracle birth. I want to have a miracle son, a miracle baby. Amen. And so, um, uh, twins were born. She has two children. Let's look at these. Verse, uh, verse 23. Yeah, verse 24, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were, just like he said, twins in her womb. Hers came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau, which means hairy red guy. That's (laughs) what it means, okay? (laughs) You don't want to call him George. I mean, he he looks like a hairy red guy. That's his name, Esau. All right. Verse 26. And after that came out his brother, came his brother out and, and, and loaded him. His hand took hold on Esau's heel. As if you ever watched somebody running to get into the car and, and one of the kids wanted to ride in the front seat or wanted to get the best seat and he grabbed the kids in front of them and tried to pull them back and tried to get ahead. This was this second brother, this younger brother, grabbing his brother saying, you're not getting ahead of me. He grabbed his heel. And his name, makes it, he's a heel grabber. He's a guy that always wants to get ahead. He's a guy who will get ahead at any cost. 
So they called his name Jacob. And Esau was now 60, three score years old, when he bare. Now, verse 27 says, uh, so we got Esau born, and then Jacob pulled up second, and the children grew up, and never were two children more opposites. Our children, one after another, are they not different, Allison? Each kid comes out and says, I've had six boys, I've had five girls, you every one of them. You said, surely this is going to be like, and they're not. They're not. Now, in some ways, that's a good thing, because your first one after he's really taught you just how hard it is. The second one comes out and just the sweetest thing ever. Aren't you glad, amen? But two of the most obvious, one likes to be outdoors, one likes to be inside. One likes to hunt, one likes to cook. Uh, one's rough, the other's smooth. You know, just the most opposite of God. By the way, through this, however, the seeds of the division and the destruction of this home were being planted all along the way. Look at verse 28. Well, verse 27, the boys grew. Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, simple man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved both his children, right? Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So the seeds of Ida home were being fed all along the way. They didn't realize what they were doing that would ruin their home. First of all, they were showing favoritism. And you know, I mean, we're way down the pipe. We know it is wrong to pour all your attention on one of your children. No matter how much of a problem they be, no matter how, how brilliant they may be, you destroy the rest of your kids along with that child when you show favoritism. They're all equal under the eyes of God. They're all supposed to be your children, not just one. Remember, didn't you hate it when you had a, 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 a teacher and you had a kid who was teacher's pet? And you wish you could bring poison to school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, 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 we know that, but we forget it because we're our kid. Oh, Johnny, here's the best student. He would never <laughs> slap the woman. We, we, we have this... We have this blindness that comes over us about one or two of our children, we go and, and then there's and then there's some. you know when when Adam and Eve had their children Eve, her first child, she called Cain which means gift, gotten from God, that's what Cain meant she said, this is God's gift she got pregnant again and Abel, you know what Abel means? nothing I've already gotten my gift, he, he's nothing she Pampered, spoiled, and loved on King, and she created a murderer. Do you understand how that works? You must be very serious about how equal you treat. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus treated everybody equal, didn't he? Doesn't mean that he put his stamp of approval on them. Didn't say, oh, you're a good. Never said that. But he loved the sinners, the publicans, and he loved the whole world. Now aren't you glad? Gotta be careful how we show favorites. There were these received. In the home, there's Rebecca, she's got her favorite boy. And Isaac, he's got his favorite boy. Then you got carnality. In the home, they had hunting, they had cooking, they had, they had uh, uh, everything that a home could want, except a walk with God. They didn't have carnality. They also had a selfish spirituality, which we'll see in a few minutes. This was the thing where each had their own style of walking and claiming to be spiritual and, and they weren't doing it God's way. 
There was a breakdown of communication, you will see here in a few minutes. No yielding to authority. All of these things were seeds being planted along the way and grow into a disaster. Problem number three. Now, I don't have time, but in chapter 26, uh, just, just let me read it real quick. Verse 1, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So, this is kind of a reoccurring thing in Canaan land, in the promised land, where they would have a famine. And Isaac runs down to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. So he's on his way to Egypt. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt like Abraham did. Anybody remember what happened when Abraham went down to Egypt? He not only got away from the will of God, not only did he lie, not only did he, um, uh, you know, uh, try to do things his own way, so he picked up a Hagar. Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and, and Isaac are still plaguing us today. It's still a problem. That's where all the Arabians and that's where the Ishmaelites and the now the, the Muslims are. So he goes on and it says, the Lord said, don't go to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Go to the land that I want you to go to. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. Stay in the promised land. For unto thee, thy seed, I will give all these countries, even Egypt. And I will perform the oath which I swear to Abraham thy father. I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwelt where? In Gerard. Now, Isaac and his family head down to Egypt for food. It's a family time. You would too. If you, if you went to Dunn's and they were all out of food, you'd go to Tesco, wouldn't you? I know, we go to Tesco last resort. But <laughs> you can all, if you go to uh, Aldi's and they're, they're out of food, you go to Lidl's. If they're out of food, you go to Super Mario. If they're out of food, you go to Tesco. If they're out of food, you go to Marks and Spencer's. You keep going until you find food. That's the normal thing that you do. Alright? God said, stop. I don't want you going down to Egypt. And instead of Isaac determining to go back up to where he came from and trust God, like Abraham was supposed to do, Isaac stops and just says, well, I'll just stay here. There seems to be some food here. And he makes a halfway compromise. And here, we're not going into it. He feared for his life. He's looking around, and everybody's looking at this good-looking wife. And he said, he, somebody says, is that your wife? He says, no, it's my sister. Where do you run that from? Daddy. And then he says to his wife, he says, Rebecca, I need you to lie. Tell them you're my sister. Tell them, weren't you brother and sister? Now, Rebecca honors her husband. She does that. She doesn't fight him. She doesn't argue. doesn't cause a, a situation. She, she uh, says, I'm a sister. But the problem gets this way. In the end, hold on here for a second. In the end, and without going through all the time, I wish we had time, but this is some really good stuff. In the end, Abimelech discovers the truth. He sees, he sees Isaac and Rebecca. It says sporting, which means they were kissing. They were making out. You know, they thought they weren't being watched. And Abimelech says, that's not your sister, that's your wife. <laughs> he says, you're right. Abimelech is more, has more integrity uh, and is more honorable than Isaac. And he rebukes uh, Isaac 
And Rebecca is protected, and God continues to bless this family, can I say it? In spite of their flaws. You've got to understand here, in, 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 um, in all of these battles, in everything here, I want you to see, um, uh, it's, it's not the problems, it's not even the carnality of Isaac's going to ruin him, it's not, it's not the fact that, that he's, he's doing things wrong, whatever, it is a series of things that just ultimately spring up and will ruin in one big battle, which we're going to go to, because the real problem is what happens next. Ready? Chapter 27. Chapter 27. This is where the message begins. It came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Isaac his eldest son and said unto him, My son, he said back unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, my weapons, thy quiver and thy bow. Go out into the field and take me some venison. I feel all the venison is, it's due. And he made the spices with some of the best tasting uh, meat you could have and it's well prepared. And make me savory meat such as I love. Bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless thee before I die. I want you to see, Isaac's got kind of a spirituality, but it's a very moody spirituality. He's 138 years old at this time. And he thought he's about to die. Now, if I was 138, I wouldn't count on tomorrow, man. Now, he doesn't die here. He lives to be 180. And that's good. That's good news, okay? You think, I'm so, man, I'm 53, and I sometimes feel like I'm not going to make it to 55. But, you know, you get 70, you go, oh, you may live to be 90. Alright? Uh, as long as God's got something for me to do, I want to stay doing it. Man. Hope you do too. But he figures, I'm, I'm through, I'm tired, I, 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 don't, I can't guarantee that I'm going to be around. And, and you know what? I need to bless you. Now, this is very important because every family needs to be blessed. We've got so many parents who <laughs> buy for the kids or who you know, take care of them physically, but they don't bless. They criticize, they find faults, they push this. Sometimes you gotta find faults. But you know what children need? A blessing. They need their parents to put their hands on them and say, God bless you. May God go with you today at school. I will go with you in prayer. They need that. They need that. Now, there are many times when we bless. We do it in weddings. We try to bless the beginning of that Relationship, the birth of a child. They ask for God's blessings on that on that child. As long as we dedicate children. Uh, when a church is in worship, you know, there in Numbers chapter uh, Numbers chapter six, God told Aaron how to bless the people when they assemble. He said, he said, these are the words that you say to bless my people. That, when, we, when we come to church, we want to get a blessing. Man, we want something from God, not just from the preacher, not just something from the tea table. Want a blessing. Now, you notice today what people do is say, good luck. You know, good luck. Well, they've replaced the blessing with luck. I'd rather, can I have a blessing, please? <laughs> Would you pray for me, please? So Esau, uh, sorry, so Jake, uh, Isaac knows he's got to pass on all this heritage. Abraham, Isaac, 
when I go to Esau. Every blessing of God may fall on Esau. That's what Isaac wants to do. But he has to be in the right mood. Now let me just say this. He's got to have everything just right. He's got to have favor. He's got to be feeling good to have church. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like that. It's got to be good weather before they come to church. Now, sometimes I pray you don't have good weather. Because if there's good weather, you're worshiping at the beach. <laughs> but isn't it funny? Everything's got to go right for that. The, the, you know, they got to feel a little to get out of bed. they got to feel like going to church. I'm just being real practical. We have a moody kind of spirituality. If you don't feel like it, you don't do it, do you? And that's not Christianity. When we're supposed to do something, we do it. So here, he's got to be in the right mood. He says, bring me some food that will just make me happy, and then I'll bless you. That's kind of a moody, kind of a strange kind of Christianity. So here's a guy who's very carnal. Again, like I said, there's very little spirituality in it. By the way, this is the only clear place in the Bible where a man is depending upon a feeling and ends up deceived. Do not go by feeling. Why, this feels so right. Oh, this feels like this is it. You better ask counsel. You better pray about it. You better read your Bible for a week and ask God to speak to you. Don't just do what comes naturally appeals to you. Because this is the one clear place that he's counting on a feeling and he's going to be deceived. Now, Rebecca, now Isaac's got a moody spirituality. Rebecca's got a manipulative spirituality. This is his wife. Look at verse 5. 27, verse 5. Rebecca heard. Now she's overhearing everything and she's kind of, she's worried. She knows this is the time when Isaac's going to be passing on all of the spiritual blessings, all of uh, the. uh, uh, the honor of being in, in, in the line of Abraham and all of God's blessings. And when she heard Isaac speak to Esau, his son, and when Esau went out to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it, Rebekah runs and speaks unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, watch these words, we'll come back to them. Obey my voice. According to that which I command thee, went out to the flock and fetched me from thence two good kids of the goats. And I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it into thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee, who bless you, before his death. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Oh, uh, that won't work, Mama. Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. And I'm a smooth man. I, my father, peradventure, by chance, probably will heal me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. You don't realize how powerful these words are. No, any dad. Listen, our kids do wrong. No dad can tolerate and handle a son alive. You can fix anything but a liar. Amen. So, Jacob says, Daddy's trusted me. When I go in there, he can find me to be a deceiver. Um, and I shall bring a curse upon me. 
<laughs> Not with a blessing, Mama. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse. Boy, she is not knowing what she's saying, my son. Only obey my voice and go and fetch me then. Go get me those two kids. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebecca took goodly raiment of his eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And he put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hand, and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread, which she had prepared, into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father. Now I want you to hold on here. I want you to see. Here we have a classic example of a woman who's worried about things that she has no business, business worried about. What did God promise to Rebecca about her children? The elder would serve the younger. Who's the elder? Esau. Who's the younger? Jacob. Now, who does, who does Isaac favor? Esau. Who does, who does Rebecca favor? Jacob. Now, I know these are all names, but they're good. Just put it all on my mind. Okay, here we are. And she says, God, you promised that, that my, my favorite son was going to be in, 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 in the head. It was going to be the one that's blessed by you. It was the one that was going to be used by you. The one that's going to be the best. And, and he's falling apart. My husband's not listening to you. Uh, Esau's going to have the blessing and my son's going to have nothing. She's worried about what is none of her business. Would you agree? But every woman does it. Every man does it. We get to a place where we take the Bible un- as far as we can until Peter takes over. We go, I can't trust anymore. I've got to do something. We're all like that. So, she worries about things going wrong, and so she has to make sure they don't go wrong. Can you do that? Be very careful. She ignores all the warning signs, and she takes over from God. She has no rest in the Lord. She has no confidence that God can take the situation and, and fix it. By the way, if I if I had blessed Esau, could God still have fixed it so Jacob received the blessing? Wait, wait. Do you believe that? But, but, but I'm trusting, and then if something goes wrong, how can God fix it? That's what God does best. He doesn't need possibilities. He loves impossibilities. Amen? How is Mary going to get pregnant? Oh, God can do it. Amen? With God, all things are possible. So, Rebecca's struggling and saying, God, you need my help. You know, she has a mother-in-law who had the same problem. What was her name? Sarah. Remember, God had promised Abraham a child, not just one, said, you're going to have Millions of them. Sarah's saying, it ain't happening. Why don't you take Hagar? Where'd she get the idea to bring Hagar into her bedroom? Her word. Her friend. Her desire to help God out. Did she help God out? No, brought a curse into the lives of, of Israel and this world, by the way. So all the warning signs. What's a warning sign that you're stepping into God's realm here? Manipulation. Ignoring everything you know to be right because you figure you have to do something. So the cost is very high here. Now she's got a dilemma. She knows God's will. She saw and she feared the potential failures of her husband 
By the way, don't focus on the failures and the potential failures of your husband. Looking unto who? Jesus. Amen. Uh, we've got a lot of ruined marriages because uh, women are watching their husbands. Husbands are, are, are watching, uh, you know, other women and, and people are, are watching everything except God. We've got to get our eyes on God and we say, you know what, Lord, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I trust you. Now, I don't know, uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, uh, this is going to cost her very high. You're going to see in just a moment. Her plan, you saw, she's going to dress him up to make him smell and feel just like he's. Remember, daddy can't see. Right? His, his eyes are gone, so he's just, he's going by that savory meat, he's by the smell of outdoors. Feels the clothes and the hairy skin. He thinks he thinks you know uh, this is how you know this. Is, he figures he'll be able to uh, discern who's who. And and Rebecca says we'll we'll trick him. But she does something that's very strange. Creepy. She requires absolute obedience of her son, doesn't she? But is she obeying? Who is she rejecting? She rejects God. And she's rejected her husband's authority. She said, don't you, don't you, don't you uh, do anything except what I say. It would have been amazing if she just said, listen, I'm just going to do what God says. Let's just see how this pans out. She didn't do it. She regret absolute obedience of her son. She's going to deceive the authority in her home. You try to do that before a judge. You try to lie yourself before the guardian. You only get in more trouble, don't you? I learned something real quick when I was a young kid with my dad. I, if I got caught, if I lied about it, I got in more trouble. But if I came clean and I said, you're right, man, it was over. All right, go back and play. <laughs> you know, same thing with God. Same thing with authority. When we take this thing and we deceive our authority, when we try to manipulate our authority, we're only digging a hole. And she ignored that. Just, what does Jacob feel? Oh, mommy? You want me to dad, lie to daddy? Yeah, just lie to daddy. Just, just, just do what I say. What is Rebecca teaching her son? Think about it. I'm showing you a self-destructing home. To lie and to deceive his own father. She taught, she taught Jacob to work out God's will his own way. And you know what? Jacob does that for the next 70 years. Where did you get that from? Mom. Don't you let the legacy of your own teaching create a spoiled brat, a ruined child who never grows up. So God has to break it. She taught her son to rob his brother? You better take a good look. Ladies, right now, I'm just talking about the ladies. The men are enough trouble. We know that. <laughs> ladies, what are you teaching your children without even thinking about it? I don't think she thought about it. I think she sat down and said, I am going to teach my son to lie. I, she didn't write that out. It just didn't cross her mind. She says, I'm going to help God. That's what crossed her mind. Jesus comes in and sees his own father. Look at verse 18. It's a bit of reading, but you'll see the points here in just a minute. Verse 18, he came into his father and he said, My father! <coughs> my, my father! He has to change his voice. 
When Isaac said, Here am I. Uh, who art thou, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, <coughs> Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Spiritual statement there. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Can you imagine Jacob's heart? <laughs> Daddy wants to feel <laughs> Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, Hmm, this is a crazy guy. The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, and his brother Esau, as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And, and he went on, and just for time, he went on and, and uh, gave him the blessing of God. Here's an encounter that, that I, I don't know if you can see it with, with the full eyes that you're supposed to have, with the full eyes of understanding. But look at how this son has been has been transformed from a son to a deceiver. Now he's already that way, but Mama's using that for a benefit that doesn't belong to him yet. This guy can't he's not praying, he's not stopping going, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Honey, come in here, tell me whose kid this is, you know, something. He he's just only acting on feelings. Do you understand? Guys do that too. <laughs> Jacob robs his brother of this. He takes it unto himself. Now, it does belong to Jacob. But he's not to have it yet. You know, there are blessed. You know what God calls us? Kings and priests. You know that? Now, you come check my house. I don't live like a king. Now, some people will know what I do. Compared to a quarter of the population of this world. But kings and priests, think about it. I can't walk around. I know preachers right now, and I don't even like calling them preachers. They're, they're people on the television who are just making money off of people. And they're walking around, they're saying, I am a king, I'm a prince, I'm an apostle, I am worthy of all adoration. They've got the rings on their fingers, they've got the, the, the private jet, they've got six different homes, and they're walking around living like kings. You know what the Bible teaches? They're not kings yet. We're the offscouring scouring of the world. We're the rejected we're, we're the, uh, we're the strugglers. We're the poor. So, so, here's Jacob, and he, he, he's taking what is his, but at the wrong time. And you may not have much of a blessing to be able to shout about and say, you may not have a lot of things to show for your life, but one day you will. If you're saved, you have a mansion waiting for you in heaven. Amen? Don't build it here. Don't build it here. So it's stolen blessing. Now, you better understand, as soon as the dinner's finished, the blessing's given, and, and uh, Jacob leaves, Esau comes in. And when Esau comes in, he cries with such a bitter, bitter... Look at uh, verse, uh, verse 30. It came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. 
And he also made savory meats and brought it unto his father and said to him, My father, now he's got the right voice, let my father arise and eat of his son's venison that thy soul may bless thee. And Isaac, his father, said to him, Who art thou? He said, What do you mean? I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And this is say already. And I have eaten of it all before thou camest and have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. Said unto his father, Bless me, even bless me also, my father. Now, I want you to see something here because we will see the truth about Jacob. I'm sorry, about Isaac in just a moment. But look, verse 35, and he said, Isaac said, Thy brother came with subtlety, with deception, and has taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he hath, this is uh, Esau talking, he hath supplanted me these now two times. He's taken advantage of me twice. He took away my birthright. Well, now he's taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And the truth is, First time Isaac realizes, no. You see, Isaac's now reaping his partiality. What he wanted to bless Esau with, what he wanted to give Esau, he had given, he was planning on giving all to Esau, and there was nothing left for Jacob. So when Jacob stole what belonged to Esau, there was now nothing left for Esau. What a sad situation. Isaac's being exposed as out of bounds. As somebody who forgot. You know what? My son, I forgot to leave a blessing. I forgot to leave. It'd be like leaving, you know, having everything in your will just for one of your children and all the other children going, to somebody leave something for me? Isaac says, no. And he's all cries and agree with him. bitter cry. And, and it is bitter cry. Hmm. There's nothing more Isaac could do. But here are the ugly truths, and this is this is the point of the message. You ready? I like what you're going to hear. Isaac realized he had never really cared for Jacob before. I don't know if I don't know if Rebecca had ever even told Isaac about the promise. Maybe she just expected her husband to figure this out. Maybe she just expected that. That God would tell it to him. Maybe he did know and he forgot. Or maybe he didn't want to follow God. I don't know. But isn't it a shame that one day you're going to look at your family and realize all the mistakes you made? Would it not hurt? Isn't that crazy? Here is Isaac facing the results of one of his decisions. To favor one, now his cost for one, he takes. Isaac and Rebecca had grown apart. They didn't know how to talk to each other. When Isaac makes a plan, Rebecca then schemes to change it. Is that communication? Is that the right way? Was Jacob, sorry, was Isaac right to go against God's will and God's plan? No. Was Isaac right to live a life of carnality? Yes or no? He was not right. Or was Rebecca right to be manipulating him so that the blessings would continue. You can't 
do that when I told you. You know, you need to worry about it. You. I think Rebecca had grown apart. They didn't communicate. Rebecca had some wrong things figured out. Think about this. She figured that she was more spiritual than her carnal husband. She, need, she figured that she needed to make sure things got done the right way, even if it meant disobeying her husband and fighting him and manipulating him. And Rebecca figured out that she could justify her own ways by finding fault with her husband. Your daddy wants to get the blessing to your brother, and that's not right, so we're going to do it. I know it's awfully quiet, but I need this to hit us like a ton of bricks. Their home was now filled with hatred. You know what Esau becomes after this? The Terminator. He swears that Jacob would die. That house is filled with hatred. You think about Isaac and Rebecca. You think about how close they're going to be now that he found out that mom had turned his son against him. How close are they, how close are they going to be? This house is filled with hatred, division, deceit, and broken trust. Rebecca loses everything she had hoped to protect. This is terrifying. She has to send away her son Jacob. She has to send him away for his own protection. She has had to lie to her husband about, look at this, I'll show you this. And uh, verse 41. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said to him, Behold, thy brother Esau is touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, here she is again, obey my voice. And arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, when he stays away for twenty-two years. Flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Uh, uh, time heals all wounds, not always. Then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived of, of you both? She's lost Esau. She says, I don't want to lose you too. And Rebecca says to Isaac, notice, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. She starts to worry about his, his dating. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me? What does she say? She says, I'm, I'm sending Jacob to my brother Laban to get a wife. And really, she's afraid that Esau's going to kill him. And she doesn't tell Daddy. You see how tangled the web she has won. You know, Esau never got right. By the way, Rebecca never sees Jacob again. Jacob goes away to get a wife. Rebecca does. When he comes home, Daddy's still alive. <laughs> he lives me on her knee. Mama's gone. She never gets to see that son that she so loved and so protected and so coddled. She never gets to see him again. 
Esau never gets right. And by the way, I never see Isaac getting right either. Do you? The only good thing that happened in Isaac's life was when he was young, he trusted his dad. And when he passes on the blessings, whichever son comes up first. Other than that, you find a man who's just carnal. Now here's a question for you. Well, not a question, here's a statement. So what? God goes ahead and says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know why? Because God uses imperfect people. When we step back and we look at our family and we see a big mess, thank God for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God uses imperfect people. He just expects us to, every time we get into pressure, every time we come into a problem, that we do it God's way. We handle it the right way. And that we trust God's way. Because when you try to make things work and make things get fixed, well, the end work. Rebecca's manipulating never helped your home. Never helped your home at all. Well, let me finish this up with conclusion. This morning we see a perfectly good home torn apart. It wasn't by the problems they faced. They faced barrenness, they faced uh, health troubles, and they faced finances and family. That didn't break them. No, it was in the seed that they were planting all along the way. What was the seed? Favoritism. Carnality. No walk with God. Selfish spirituality. You know, Rebecca invested mainly in Jacob. She didn't invest in her husband. She didn't invest in Esau. She didn't invest in her own walk with God. There was a breakdown of communication. There was no yielding to authority in the home. Who was in charge of that home, by the way? Well, you say God, but God put somebody in charge of that home. Who was in charge of that home? supposed to be. Isaac. Isaac was. He was the dad. He was the father. But there was no yielding to his authority in the home. The seeds were planted. Yes, Isaac's moody kind of spirituality never helped him. Rebecca's manipulative spirituality only planted the seed that bore fruit in her son, Jacob, for the next over years, over years, I could get along. All the lies and all the deception. So the home ends up with hatred, with hatred, division, deceit, and broken trust, and Rebecca loses everything she hoped to lose. This is how you want your home to go. I had a whole different message. God sometimes just says to me, puts me through the mill and just says, I don't want you to preach that. I want you to preach this. I don't know who this is going to help. I don't know it helped me. I don't know what you need this morning, but I tell you what, God has a better way. And then when that pressure comes and those ways of, of, of pushing and struggle come, you've got to just step, take a step back and say, I've got to try to do things different. I've got to try to do things different than I want to. I've got to do them on faith. It'll be the hardest thing you'll ever do. Which is better? Lose? You know, Ephesians chapter 5 is serious business when God says to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He says to wives, submit to your own husbands as the church is subject unto Christ. Paul just cuts right to the chase and says, something was wrong with Isaac and Rebecca. Somehow their love life fell apart. Somehow their 
respectful of heart. Wow. A home was destroyed. You think that was God's plan? No. You think God aware of home? These things were written for our learning, but through patience and comfort and scripture, we might have hope. Father, we bow before you, God. I know a lot of these things don't match exactly things going on in each home here. There are some parallels. There are some things just like our own home. We need to fear. Make it the same mistakes. We need to fear. These are the very things we want so much to protect. Lord, I pray we take a step back and take a good inventory of ourselves. Look and say, what's my spirituality like? I go, I like Isaac, always going by my feelings. Like Rebecca, always fearful, fretting, trying to make things turn out right so that I don't have to face into something going wrong. My home no rest, does it know a riot, turmoil, war. Yeah, the two sons were going to be at war, but he did not need, and it did not destroy the home. Yeah, there were going to come famine. There will be times of emptiness. Those things do not destroy us. What destroys us are our own words, our own choices. Father, we're a Bible-leading church. We take this seriously. We ask that you would lays it on our hearts. We have a chance to make some new choices, make some different choices. First beginning with the new birth. First beginning that to decide that, you know what? I'm like Isaac. I've been given a spiritual heritage, but I have no walk with God myself. There's some men in this room who need to decide they need to go. They need to go in their face before God and say, God, I'm a wicked, filthy, ungodly sinner that needs to be saved by grace. There's some men who've been saved but never grown. Come to church, but don't have a walk with you. Don't spend time with them. Don't love them. Don't let you guide them. Teach them. We need some men who will change. We need some women to be afraid of being afraid. We fear. The right things for the person. And that you bless our families, God. That we would become a blessing. And that each one of our children, and every person that we are encountering, each person we deal with and we meet, that we be a blessing to them. And not ignore any. Please bless this message to the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Grab your hymnal.